This is Glistening Particles, and I'm Jane, your host. I like to hear inspiring stories from people that I barely know and share them with you, and that's what we do here. I never know how it's going to go. I never know what they're going to say, but it's always a good story. In this episode, you'll hear a story from a woman named Kathleen. From a young girl, she heard these tones, sounds in her head. People kind of told her they were something not to pay attention to, but she still did. She went into a career in communications and eventually found her way to singing bowls. It's a really beautiful story, and I think that it's only just beginning. Hello, Kathleen, and welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Jane. I'm pleased to be here. You know, um, this is this is part of the really big fun of starting the podcast and seeing which direction it goes, because for the audience's purposes, um, we met through one of the other guests, through Christine Collister-Miller, and she recommended I talk with you. And uh, what was it like about a week ago, we had a conversation, and um, I was super rude about halfway through. I'm like, okay, just stop talking now. <laughs> I'm like, don't say anything else. I want to hear it all brand new, fresh on the show. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm so excited to have this this uh, conversation because it's like watching a movie and stopping halfway through and not being able to see the rest of it. <laughs> so um, why don't what what I want what I would love people to um, hear about is how you came about doing what you do now, which is um, playing singing bowls. Am I calling it the right thing? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, it's, you know, it's one of those things where there's a short story and a long story and the short story <laughs> isn't as interesting to me. So the long story actually starts with my childhood, where I heard sounds that came out of nowhere. And um, they were magical to me. I thought it was like just one of those coolest things possible. And so I started talking about them. And I was telling people, you know, and asking them, did they hear them? And what did they hear? Because maybe those were different. Mine were really high pitched I'd call them linear sounds, and they went through my temples, and one would always come in my right ear if I was in a risky situation or something was maybe not feeling good, mm -hmm. and I would know I was safe. How, so, old, how old were you when this started, when you remember this happening? I think I probably, when it first started, I was probably around three or four, uh -huh. and, and when I started talking about it, it was probably... Um, more like when I was five, and so did they like did they like drag you off to the neurologist at that point to like start scanning your head, or was this just like ah it's it'll pass kind of thing? Uh, I I grew up in rural Ohio. You didn't have <laughs> neurologists. What were those? Um, no, no. The, what happened was that someone told me I wasn't supposed to hear them, and I should stop listening. <laughs> And, uh, you that know, solves I, most of our problems. Just stop listening to your body and those sounds. <laughs> right, 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 right. But, um, you know, I was a pretty willful child. And as most people would also acknowledge, I'm a willful adult. And uh, <laughs> I said, you know, to myself, well, if I just shut up, I can listen to them as much as I <laughs> want to. So, so I just shut up. 
which is the other alternative to, you know, any kid who has a, a certain magical special thing that they, they really love. And I loved them. I mean, mm-hmm. that was the other thing. Um, I knew somehow I knew them and I loved them and I wanted to keep them and I didn't care what anybody thought. That's a lot um, of insight for a kid, man. <laughs> well, <laughs> I was, yeah, that was deep. <laughs> I was out in the woods. I was enjoying life. Um, I was really fortunate to grow up in a, a family that um, it was a very loving family and an extended family all around me. Mm-hmm. So all I knew were were family. I didn't know strangers. Oh, um, that's beautiful. I, yeah. Uh, so it was. But so the story goes on in that, um, you know, I just listened to them. And I, at um, some time at 40 something, um, I'm sitting with a spiritual teacher one-on-one mm-hmm. and, and out of the blue, this teacher says to me, so what do you think about those sounds you hear? <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Someone yeah, is like, in your head. She was in your head for sure. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm like, what? And, I, <laughs> and, and I'm thinking, so I'm thinking two things. I'm thinking we weren't talking about them. I wasn't hearing them at the time. And yet uh-huh. this person knows about them. Very and then my cool. second thought is, well, what are they? I mean, <laughs> like here's somebody who might know what they are or does know what they are because obviously they identified them. And um, so I said, so, you know, I was trying to be particularly clever because this was a teacher <laughs> and I thought, I'll form it as a question. So I said, well, I don't know. What should I think? And, you know, I was still early enough in the spiritual journey not to realize teachers are more skillful than their students. <laughs> so, she was um, on to you, right? <laughs> she was on to me. And, uh, you know, she said, um, uh, I, I think you should listen. And I'm like, what? That's it. <laughs> so did um, you say I've been doing that for like 40 some odd years? This isn't, that's not helping me at all. <laughs> no, you know, it's a spiritual teacher. <laughs> I had great respect and admiration. Mm-hmm. I, you know, no, it was, uh, I, I knew I'd been given my answer and that was that, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, so yeah, so then that started my my listening years, as I call them. Um, so during that time from like when you were five or six, and then then, mm-hmm. were you still hearing them regularly? Um, you know, it's it's hard to remember exactly how regularly I heard them. I definitely heard them, mm-hmm. um, and the thing that I knew about them was that they would only show up in certain environments. Like they would show up in the woods, which I loved. The woods were my second home. And they would show up in my home, uh, my family home, um, but they wouldn't show up like they didn't show up in church. And I loved church. Hmm. Uh, so that was kind of surprising. I don't remember them at all in church. That's interesting. And, yeah. And they definitely generally I found out even as an adult, there was usually too much ambient noise to show up in any place like stores or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that offices. Um, and those environments really weren't conducive to them. So it's so, more when you were sort of like in a, um, med- almost met, like even if it was active meditation, but a meditative state. Well, in a uh, sense. You know, like I when I'm in the, when I'm in the woods, that's what I go into. It's like, I'm just like, whoosh, one with the whole area there. And, and it's like a different being than I am like driving down the highway, you know? <laughs> Yeah, but this was when I was a kid. Oh, true. <laughs> this that's is, true. You know, true. 10 and 11 years old. I mean, I don't okay. think a kid goes in the woods and said, oh, I think I'll be a meditation. Right. That's true. <laughs> so just in the woods. Yeah, exactly. Just in the woods. That huh. would just be. But I think I think the same thing happens. I mean, I think, you know, you're calm. 
Um, and I think in my home, I, I mean, I had a really lovely home then. I've had really lovely homes most of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, just not necessarily, you know, not grand or anything, but just places that I really like. Mm-hmm. I really like where I live. Um, so I think they were places where I felt safe. Mm-hmm. I felt love. I felt, you know, I felt good. Oh, um, that's, a be- that, yeah. that's a beautiful thing to be able to say, really. Yeah. You yeah. Know, I mean, to have that your whole life. That's pretty cool. So then, um, so then as an adult, were you ever talking to other people besides the spiritual teacher about the, the noise, the, the sounds? You know, I didn't, I, I think it had been really clear to me that, um, you know, I, I wasn't supposed to hear them. And so if I told anybody uh, at that point that I knew I would be sent to a, either a neurologist <laughs> or somebody with, you know, ear issues. And I knew it wasn't tinnitus or tinnitus or however, mm-hmm. um, I, I just, it would come and it would go. And it was, um, it just, it just didn't seem that. So, so I just, I kept silent about it, uh, until this teacher basically, I mean, I felt, kind of liberated it. And, um, and then I started talking about them again with people, um, and finding out who knew about them or whatever. I kind of love though, that you had that inner knowing that they were, they were beautiful and safe. You know what I mean? Rather than like immediately thinking it's something to be afraid of or something's wrong. I just love that, that you carried that with you all that time. Oh, well, they just seemed really special to me. I mean, I, you know, I had a strong affiliation with, um, angels, uh, Gabriel and Michael have been with me all my life, and and I grew up Roman Catholic, and so Mary and Christ were with me. Um, so I so I had this association with the supernatural, mm-hmm. you know. So so the fact that this showed up to me, quite honestly, I just I sort of assumed it had something to do with this beyond natural thing. I di- I didn't associate it with angels or or Christ or Mary or anything, but it just it felt like what that felt like, and. In the same way I had learned for myself that God was in nature as well as in the church that I went to. Um, I remember at 14 coming across the Tao Te Ching, um, Lao Tzu's way of life. And I was so grateful that other people believed God was in nature. You know, it was the first time that that had ever happened to me. Mm. And so that was really lovely. Well, um, I really felt, I mean, I knew about singing bowls at that point and I literally went out and bought one, you know, probably within weeks. I don't think it was very long. And I bought it from, um, Tibetan monks at an expo and, uh, <laughs> wait, wait, Tibetan monks at an expo. Yeah, How often yeah. do you get to say that? <laughs> well, actually every year, because now I'm the, this, the singing bowl vendor next to the Tibetan monks. So. <laughs> You know, I get to say it every year. Um, That's awesome. I, when is this? What t- what month of the year is this? I might have to come down and check that out. Uh, well, actually, it's both in April and November, and okay. it's in Cincinnati, Ohio. So November. I'm in Cleveland, but I go to Cincinnati to do this show. So. November yeah. in Cincinnati. I can see yep. it already. Okay, go on. <laughs> anyway, um, so so I buy this bowl. I can't even hear it. It's so there's so much din and noise. And um, but I buy it anyway because I just I can just feel it. I feel it in my hand, which is what I always tell people is, you know, put the bowl in your hand and uh, you know gong it, ram it, um, and just feel it. And mm-hmm. the vibration is so amazing that um, you know you'll just fall in love. Um, so I bought that bowl, and then within probably a couple months, a friend of mine said. Hey, you know, there's these two women, I live in Cleveland, who are, who are here in the city, who have all these antique old bowls from um, the Bone Monastery in India, and they're selling them. And I'm like, what? 
And I, I go over to these women's house. I go down to the basement. And sure enough, they have like a stack of probably close to, I don't know, 100 bowls. And these are all genuine old bowls from this monastery. So the bone is, precedes um, Buddhism. And um, they also were run out of Tibet. So they were finding refuge in India and they built a monastery there. Well, so to support their their efforts, they sent bowls over to sell so that they could, you know, um, continue. Mm -hmm. And I, so I, so the second bowl I bought was 200 years old. I mean, it's gorgeous antique. You know, um, when you told me the story, the first thing that came to my mind was like, this is all happening in Cleveland. Like, <laughs> why did I not know this? This is all going on right here in the Midwest of the United yeah. States, like yeah. someone's basement and they have, you know, really, really old, oh, authentic yeah. Tibetan bowls. This is yeah. amazing. Exactly. Okay. Well, so, I mean, that's what happens now. You know, people find me by Googling singing bowls in Cleveland, Ohio. You know? <laughs> and and it's so, you know, and, I, and people literally have called me up and said, you're in Cleveland? And I'm like, yeah, I'm right. And literally a, a person who's become a good friend of mine, you know, she literally lives less than a mile from me now. I mean, she did then too. And mm -hmm. she's like, I wanted to buy a bowl to honor my mother who passed. You know, I'm like, well, okay, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's just crazy that this is that that's what I love about these stories like people are doing things like this in everyday lives and even in everyday what I'm sorry Cleveland no offense but everyday places like Cleveland it's just right wow well you know to be honest though Jane I, I really I you know about 10 years ago when I met the crystal bowls which became now the the addition to my my old um, Tibetan bowls these are gem crystal bowls created by crystal tones that include like citrine and diamond mm. and such and the quartz mixture um when I met those bowls, I was literally ready to head out of town. Um, and I'm in Mount Shasta meeting these bowls. And my friend says to me, she goes, you, you have to buy these bowls. You have to take them back, back home. And I'm like, what? And I knew she was absolutely, I mean, she was absolutely channeling. And it was like, so there was no way I was leaving Cleveland. I had to, to bring this back and really be, you know, whoever I am in, in Cleveland, Ohio, when I much, I really wanted to be in Oregon or Washington state, to be honest with you. Um, I did not intend to be in Cleveland, Ohio at that point, but, uh, don't you uh, think though, part of it is like, um, it's really connecting the sounds around the world. Oh, absolutely. It's like, you're like one of the, the hubs or the points to connect the sounds around the world. So we're in Cleveland, you have some crystal bowls from Mount Shasta. Well, I didn't at first. I mean, so I'm spending, so the first 10 years, so starting in um, 99, I, um, I, I'm just listening. And as I listen, I mean, I just literally would sit and wait for the sounds to come. You know, I'd, I'd sit in a chair, mm -hmm. meditation, and I would wait for them. And sometimes they came and sometimes they didn't. And it was really clear to me, I wasn't really interested in demanding their, um, attendance or whatever. Um, but it's also clear to me that I couldn't, <laughs> that that wasn't, that wasn't, that wasn't part of the protocol. Um, so I would wait and about, I don't know, maybe five years in something like that, they changed from being these high pitched linear sounds, maybe less. They, and they were spheres and the spheres were very bell like, um, it was, it was very different. And, um, I just, they were just gorgeous and they, but they didn't sound like the metal bowls I was playing, but it didn't matter to me. And I, so the cosmic joke is I don't have any background in music. I mean, none. My, you know, <laughs> I played flutophone in fifth grade. Um, 
but you know, didn't we all? Yes, um, exactly. So, um, but my sisters both played music and could read music, but I didn't. And, um, so I entered this without any awareness of like, I, I didn't know what melodies they were playing to me and I couldn't remember them. So for our listeners, I would compare it to, um, something like what happens in close encounters of the third kind, where there's that, the little repeat of sounds. Mm -hmm. Um, I called them the tones. I called them the tones, even when they were high pitched and linear, um, they were just, they were just gorgeous. And so they play these melodies for me and I would just be in awe and I would tell people about these. And, you know, I, 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 one person, you know, said, well, they're your angels or guides. And I thought, and I kind of know my angels. I don't really, I don't really think so, but maybe who knows? Um, I just call them the tones. And I, I really came to believe and still do that. It's, it's literally the universe singing to me. Um, I don't know. I mean, sometimes I thought I should be a sound astrologer. I, I feel like, like somehow I know the constellations and planets through these sounds. Uh, I'm and, so uh, quiet because I'm just sitting in awe. If that, if that helps, I'm not. I'm. I, it's like I can picture all of this and yeah. imagine. I mean, the the patience that it must have taken on your. Like I, I think that you're the person who can hear these because you have the patience. <laughs> to do the work. I mean, I would have been like, Hey, 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 we need to know this like right now. So let's just uh, spell it out for me. So the fact that you have this patience to sit and wait and listen and that they keep rewarding that patience. With well, more. yeah, I think, I mean, after all, it'd been 40 years or 35 <laughs> years you know, of hearing them and not having anybody, you know, allow me to hear them in a sense. Um, I think it, for me, it was, it was a liberation of now I could listen to them. And then it was, it was sort of like, okay, so what, what will happen if I do? And, um, I can't say, I probably wasn't always patient. You know, mm. I probably wanted them to come at times, but, um, yeah, but, and, and so the thing was, is I wanted to sing back to them too. And I, my voice one wouldn't reach high enough for the, the sounds that I initially heard. Um, and I, you know, and I, and I didn't trust my voice. Interestingly, I, I did a lot of public speaking in my work. I've, used my voice a lot, but I did not trust it to sing back. And I would, I actually became really, really sad about that. I, mm -hmm. I went through it and I, and I would say to them, I'm so sorry, I can't sing back to you. Aww. And they gave me the awareness that it didn't matter that I was listening. And that was what was important. I was, was listening. That was the gift of yeah. listening, right? And I have to mm -hmm. say that, um, at, when that came in, I realized that that's really what all of us want is someone to listen. Exactly. I was thinking the same thing, like what a cosmic message, you know, I mean, I've seen that time and time again. And something I think that I've been going through in my own life is, you know, all we really want, to, all we really want is to be heard. Right. Right. Oh, right. oh, goosebumps again. Every time I talk to you, I'm like half, half the time <laughs> covered in goosebumps, half the time just staring with my jaw dropped. So if, <laughs> imagine that everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So. So, um, so anyway, so the sounds became, they were spherical and I could, I could locate them in a room. I don't see particularly, I do at times, but I don't see in general, but I knew exactly where they were and the size they were. And oh, ironically, one time I was out in the woods at a hermitage, um, on retreat and I saw one literally this, it was an elliptical size, which is the first time I'd ever seen one like that. And it was I think it was like 15 feet. It was oh like a little gosh. submarine or something. It was so funny. I was like, 
Oh, well, how interesting you're here. <laughs> now, when you say you saw it, explain, describe that. Describe that well, to me. Well, that one, I actually, I actually would say that I saw it. It was like seeing a giant bubble, it, but it was elliptical. Usually they were spherical, um, and they would get as big as like basketball, say. But this one was um, elongated and kind of, kind of a silvery kind of sheen to it, kind of iridescent, kind of, yeah, it was just, um, it, you know, it was transparent. I could see through it. And there had been, um, of all things, what do you call a, a group of turkeys? Um, Is that a gaggle? Uh, that's why I was thinking a gaggle of turkeys, whatever. <laughs> that's a gaggle of geese. I think it's something oh, else. Oh, darn turkeys. it. But that's okay. Anyway, whatever. Uh, and so I'd just been seeing a bunch of turkeys. <laughs> and they had left. And they were really comic, as turkeys are when they're in a group. Right. And then this thing appears, and I hear it, and I'm going... Well, isn't that interesting? <laughs> <laughs> and that's where we all need to get is where we, when we see things like that, we just go, isn't that interesting? Rather than going like what I used to do is, am I really seeing that? Is that really there? And then it just goes away because it becomes like it, it won't be seen then. Well, they, they do this to me all the time, wherever <laughs> they is, you know, it's like, like the other night I woke up, uh, I had done, uh, done a form of therapy that was really pretty extraordinary and, and really helped me in a lot of ways. And I woke up. And I was like, my head is full of light. And I really, and I wanted to sleep. I mean, that's all I, I wanted to sleep. And all I, my head was just full of light. And so I said that out loud. And then I said, I, you know, I might've even said, I want to, I just want to sleep. And so I, I put my head back in the pillow and I was out like a light. And I thought afterwards, I thought, oh, oh, why, what, what are you thinking, honey? You should have stayed with that. That's like amazing. And I thought, no, I really wanted to sleep. <laughs> You know, sleep is something we really need to do every every so often. I'm finding that myself. Like as much as I don't want to sleep because I'm having so much fun, I'm like I really eventually there will be a point where my body will say, "Yeah, we can't keep doing this." Yeah. So, so I have a question though about. So this is about. Um. So Christine, you know that we met through. Yeah, have you yeah. have has she talked to you about how she's been singing in the forest? Yes, and she sent me the videos, yeah. Oh, so you know. She's, yeah, I've so, been encouraging her to do that, yeah. I mean, so she's actually, um, she is singing to them. Right, right. And yeah. she can do that, yeah. Uh, and then they come out and see yeah. her. Yeah. I want to go there. Can we go there together? Should we do sure. that? Let's do that. Absolutely. Okay, okay. Okay, yeah. sidebar, sorry. <laughs> so well, the rest of our audience can join us too. Hey, we'll put up the trip. Uh, I know. Isle of Man, here we come. The pilgrimage, the pilgrimage journey to the Isle of Man. That's what's going to be happening. I can already imagine. I can see it. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. So, okay, so where are we now? I keep I keep sidetracking well, you. Well, that's okay. So, so we're in the midst of, you know, like I'm, I'm hearing these sounds and, and they've changed. And um, I did sit one day with someone who sees orbs, which, you know, most people would describe these spheres I see as orbs. And um, and so we sat and we invited them in and I could hear them. And I knew where in the room they were located and she could see them in those locations. Mm. So that was a really nice validation. But what had happened for me often was... I would talk to sound healers who did not hear sounds as I do, and I wasn't finding people who who heard them until I was on. Um, there was a teleconference call. This woman was who um, has computerized sounds and has associated them with various organs and emotions and so on. And so she was doing this and um, going through that, and then she was taking calls. And so I was on the call, and I said, "I hear these sounds," and I told her what they were like, and I asked her if she could re reproduce them. And, and she reproduced really close to these high-pitched linear sounds that I heard. Hmm. I, rem I remember nothing about, I, they were associated with certain organs. I don't doubt, I know they were. Um, but the next caller who called said, 
I hear sounds too, but they're lower than the ones Kathleen hears. And it was the first time that I'd had anyone. And, you know, and of course you don't identify yourself on those calls, but I, I felt both validated and I felt like I, I wasn't alone. Basically I was no longer alone because the teacher hadn't indicated to me that, that she heard the sounds, you know, mm-hmm. all, but she knew I did. So I didn't know who heard them and people I asked did not. Um, I've since met other people who do, but people are very, it turns out there, I mean, it is a very, it is actually a practice in yoga where the guru gives you the sound. Um, okay. so for it to happen spontaneously is, is unusual. Well, um, I am so hoping that after this show goes live, I get, I hear back from somebody that says, connect me with Kathleen. I hear sounds or, or actually they'll be able to connect to you directly on your website. But yeah, sure. I'm really hoping that that's what we do. Well, it's happened in libraries. I mean, you know, I've, I've stood up in libraries, you know, and, it, you know, in these very public places and said, you know, I hear sounds and, um, and people come up to me afterwards, you know, one-on-one and say, I do too, but I, you know, and I've been to neurologists or whatever. And, um, you know, so, so yeah, there are definitely, you're out mm. there. I, I recognize you and yes, <laughs> you're, welcome. you're welcome to speak with me for what I know. It's, it's been a lovely journey. And, um, so anyway, so I, so I'm listening to these things for 10 years and a friend of mine goes to Mount Shasta and I send her to this crystal store for a very particular form of crystal. Mm-hmm. And she comes out, comes back after this trip and says, you've got to go there. They have these bowls and they have citrine in them and they have all the stones in them and you would love them. You've got to go. <laughs> Meanwhile, Mount Shasta has been like. Um, I call it winking at me. I mean, there's certain geological, geographical places that like sort of signal to me, they light up or whatever and say, mm-hmm. come on, come here, come here, dear, come on, come on. And um, so, you know, so I knew she, so I'd been holding her off for about two or three years. You know, you'd think, you think you would let somebody woo you, but no. Um, <laughs> so, so I get, uh, so I finally do go and I'm there and I'm exploring the whole Northwest as well. I'm there for two and a half days. And the person who can show me the bowls, really show me, is in classes and has no appointments available. But I'm in the back of the shop and they've let me play the bowls. I mean, it was a delightful. I mean, I get to play the bowls. But this, and this person comes out and she's got her whole class with her and she plays one bowl. And I'm like just totally smitten. And mm-hmm. I'm like, but I can't make a decision about the bowls that I buy, like start at, $400 or $500. I mean, start, that's the starting price. And they go up to thousands of dollars. So, um, it's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, so I, so I leave the shop. I mean, I can't make up my mind. And five months later, I'm in Tucson, Arizona at the international gem show with friends. Cause I'm also into crystals and I think, well, you know, they probably have crystal bowls here. And sure enough, they do. And I, I'm walk to this hotel room with, cause that's the way the show is. All the hotel rooms become showrooms. And, um, I'm with this other woman and we go and there's a woman vacuuming and the woman <laughs> I'm with says, um, let's, let's, let's leave the maid to do her job. I go, no, that's who I want to see. And there's Bev from Mount Shasta cleaning the room and we greet each other. And, um, and literally, you know, hours later I'm buying a bowl and, you know, putting down $700 for a bowl. Which so this, was, just, this was the same person that you saw in Mount Shasta yes, and now she's yes. at this particular yes. thing. Yes. I mean, it doesn't take, I mean, it does take a two by four to hit me over the head, but it doesn't. <laughs> you know, I think, I mean, buy a bowl, honey. This is your, you know, so, um, so I buy a bowl. I'm thrilled. 
And, um, and I figured this is wonderful. I now have my crystal bowl with my, with my, my Tibetan bowls. I'm, you know, that's all I need. And wouldn't you know, five months, four months later, I'm back in Mount Shasta. Um, I've been a freelance writer. I was on a, a, a five-year gig, what should have been a five-year gig, but I was with a bank that's in the pro- process of merging. I knew it was going to end. It ends, and the only thing I want to do is go back to Mount Shasta. Mm-hmm. I have no, I mean, I have no idea where the next paycheck's coming from, but all I know is I need to go back to Mount Shasta. And a friend who's wanted to go says yes as well. And we go on May 1st of 2009. Yeah, 2009, 10 years later. And um, so wait, wait, when you when you do this, though, do people think you're crazy? Like you don't have a job and you don't know where your next paycheck's coming from, but you're going to Mount Shasta. Uh, you know, my family is so accepting. I'm so <laughs> grateful to them. I, I am really blessed. My parents have since passed, so they, they have been witness to this. I have no idea what they actually, you know, they have trusted me. So and my mother, who was a very anxious woman, when I announced I was going to go freelance and no more corporate or employment, she said, if anybody can do it, you can. I, I fully, I fully believe in you. And I, this is a woman who like would try, like carried an umbrella on sunny days. So, you know, this was huge for her to say such things. Um, they think <laughs> it's crazy of me, but they expect it. <laughs> or oh, I guess I, that's the way to put it. I know and, you somebody know, and like that. <laughs> would be like, you, you only, yeah. And other people know that I, I really only do these things when I'm, when I'm pulled, when I'm pulled to them. Okay. So, so I, I go to Mount Shasta and, um, you know, May day is a very important day, I think in the world. I believe it's Beltane. Um, but it's a beautiful day. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm like worried we're not going to get to see Bev and, and hear the bowls and stuff. So literally we get off the plane, we drive whatever it is from Sacramento to Manchester. We get there and we go straight to the store. I mean, I'm so insistent. My friend was so gracious. And we see Bev and she goes, oh, we'll come back tonight. We'll do something. I'm like, ah, okay. <laughs> so we literally go there that evening. We're sitting before she comes in. And this is when my friend says, and totally channeled, I could tell, you, you have to buy these bowls and you have to bring them back to Cleveland. And I'm like, what? And she, and I knew she was right. And literally, you know, three days later, I'm plunking down 3000 plus dollars. I mean, without knowing where the next paycheck's coming from. Exactly. Oh my gosh. What a leap. What a leap of faith, right? You know, it, it all, it felt so right. It felt so natural. It it really, it didn't even seem like a leap. And that's like, if you think, when we think about our listeners right now, that's the thing that I really want people to hear is people, everyday people like you who felt that inner pull, you know, or, or, mm-hmm. you know, two by four to the head or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> the thing that says, even though it on the outside, on the surface, it looks a little bit uh, eccentric or um, risky or whatever the case may be. Like if you know it inside that it's the thing to do, just do it. I mean that I've seen that time and time again. And there's so many times in the past where I haven't listened to it, where I've gone, you know, oh, it's kind of, and now I, I listen to it every time. And I, I, sometimes I get to these situations, I'm like, hmm, what is it that's going to come of this? Like when I, on the spur of the moment, I go, I'm going to go to California and go to a writing workshop. I'm just going to drop the money on it and go. And right. even while I'm there, I'm like, is this really going to change my life? And now... Uh, six months, eight months later, I'm like, mm-hmm, it sure did. So yeah. like, just take those leaps because they're, if, if they feel that right, there's a reason for it. Well, you know, I, I also remember, Jane, just sitting there and saying to myself, 
you could say no. You could say no. Mm-hmm. But how much richer and more fun would yes be? <laughs> I love that. And and I really it was very I was very aware of that. I was really aware that I would not know where the heck this was gonna go if I said yes. And uh, and I thought, why not? How I, mean, much I, was, I was 55 years old. I have to tell you, I mean, I thought this is like the funniest thing in the world. At 55, I decide a career change. You got to be kidding me. <laughs> um, so, but I've done a lot of things in my life. I mean, so this was in some ways not that surprising. So I come home. So in there, were, I mean, I also have to say, in addition to the bold, um, Mount Shasta was amazing. She gifted me with a lot of things. Um, one of which was seeing a bear in the wild. Luckily I was in a car, Mm -hmm. but, um, I mean, it literally dashed across the road. And for the first time I realized when they say that you can't outrun a bear, I know that's true. Um, I was very grateful to be in the car. Um, so, uh, yeah, so the mountain gifted me, the bowls gifted me and I came home and within two weeks I had to have three more bowls. Seriously, really? Seriously, I absolutely, I knew what they were, I knew I needed them, and I needed them now. Um, And so I I literally, was going to be another more than $3,000 for the next set. And, um, you know, so I bought those as well. And uh, ironically, this is when, and everything burst open. I mean, I I call the library that did certain alternative programs and I know the director there and I called her and said, geez, I'd like to be on that lineup. And she says, this is July now, the beginning of July. And, um, she says, well, I don't have anything open until, um, October. I said, I'll take it. No problem. And she calls me less than two weeks later, I'd say. And she says, you know what? Somebody just ditched in July. Can you do it? I mean, and it was going to be in two weeks. It was literally going to be in two weeks. And I said, yeah, I, I can do that. Um, and, you know, and the other three bowls were arriving. I think they arrived maybe two days before that gig. So, you know, it was really um, an amazing kind of thing. Um, a good friend of mine was a videographer who had a sound studio. And, I, and I'd worked with him a number of times on because I'm in communications. And I said, would you be willing to record me? And he had no interest in this stuff at all. I mean, none, you know. And he said, sure, I would do that for you. I said, well... I know it's expensive. What what do you, what do you think we can work out? He says, "Would you buy me lunch?" Oh, and I said, yeah. oh my gosh, that's just how things are going with this. Right. This yeah. we were talking offline. It's like I decided this is where I want to go. This is what I feel is right. It's like everything inside of me says, "This is it. Do this thing. Just do the yeah. thing. That's it. Doesn't matter yep. what what's on the other side of it, but do the thing." And people just keep showing up and yep. helping. It's crazy. It's so exciting. So like, tell me a little bit about what it's like, what you, what it feels like. And this is just my curiosity. It's not probably part of the story. Maybe you had to, had to share, (laughs) but, um, what does it feel like when you sit down and play the bowls? What does like in you, what does that feel like? Oh, it, you know, the name of my site is resounding joy and it, it just, it's just joy. It's just awe and wonder and joy. I mean, there's absolutely, I, you know, I know these bulls, they know me. They're, they're forms of consciousness. They're not objects. They're not tools. Mm. They are forms of consciousness. And they've gifted me with the, uh, the delight and the ability to play with them and make them sing and have other people hear them and, and just be in, in that state of wonder that I think we all look for and, and hope to find at times. Do you, do you name them? 
You know, I've only named one of them. <laughs> um, uh, they, some of them have names. I, I honestly don't. Mm-hmm. I don't feel that's important for me. No, no. That's, I was just curious. That's, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I, I don't. I named my, I named my bike, my bicycle, mm-hmm. because yeah. we, we have, we have such a. Uh, long-term relationship it felt like time to name him <laughs> i you know i'd really say there's like literally this vibration between me and um and each of my bowls mm-hmm. that it's just like i literally i know the bowl and the bowl knows me i mean i it's just an amazing thing to you know so, and i mean that with all the tibetan bowl i mean i have <laughs> i think i have 50 some tibetan bowls <laughs> so how many bowls do you have all together total well i have 13 of the crystal bowls. Now I've had 15, but one, one did shatter. And ironically, when it shattered, maybe not ironically, I always wondered what I would feel like if one shattered, you know, Mm -hmm. it was like one of those things. And I was just in awe. I was in awe. One, because it slipped out of my hand in between about four other bowls. And it was the only one that broke. Mm. Um, It broke seven years about to the date since when I had purchased it. So that was interesting to me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it just felt like, oh, it was supposed to go. It was time. Yeah. Bowl, right. And um, so, yeah, so I have a few less bowls, although one is waiting for me now in Cincinnati because <laughs> friends, you know, and, and actually there's three others that I'm contemplating. Uh, you know, it's, it's always interesting. These things show up again. And uh, yeah. So, you know, uh, for our listeners, uh, let's mention just so they're aware that we're going to send out this show with you playing the bowls. So they'll have the opportunity to really experience oh are you there yep i sure am (laughs) something fall i don't Um, know (laughs) so the other thing then is but before we get to that so that's coming i wanted to ask you my one of my uh, favorite questions which is i know that you're very curious about bowls and sounds and vibration in the universe but is there something else like completely different that you that calls your attention now now that you're like in this really organic state most of the time of, of being and, and existing, is there something new that's, that's tapping on your shoulder and are winking at you using your term? Well, um, you know, I'm a writer always have been, but I've written for other corporations and businesses and such. And, um, for the first time, um, I actually, I just completed a book about the experience in Egypt that I was on with, um, Christine and, um, the work was really beautiful to do. I've, I've written before for myself and I found it really difficult at times and I get really like, Oh, I got to, you know, change this, do this. Cause I'm also an editor and such. And, um, and that was a really amazing experience in writing for me for the first time. But I'd have to say, and it's, it's interesting. I, I tutor kids for the ACT and I never wanted to be a teacher. I grew up in a family of teachers and, um, uh, you know, it's they don't make what they deserve in in terms of financial return. Particularly, right. they work really hard. They care a lot, and they perform every day in front of people who don't really want to be there. <laughs> right. That's I actually I I used to I wanted to be a teacher when I was younger, but the idea of having to be fully on every day kind of scared me away from it. Yeah, and my parents did that, and my sisters both uh, worked in education. I mean, I, I I you know I'm very grateful. I think they did amazing work. Um, but I found tutoring. I absolutely love being with these teenage kids. I absolutely, I get into it every time I am the quirky, eccentric aunt who's <laughs> able to turn their minds 
about um, reading and English in ways that they never expected because I don't talk about them with like grammar rules. I'm talking about the organizing principles of the English language. And, you know, and suddenly like there's a word that, um, you know, that just strikes me and I say it to them and I say, do you know what that means? And sometimes they don't. And I say, oh, just let's, let's go there. So it's, I'd say teaching is really, um, you know, and not in, not, you know, not in the energetic sense, but just, I think that I bring to it a level of compassion that I think teenagers need. I think I bring a level of a different worldview that um, some of them can see there's something else out there. And it's a recognition in them. I mean, I've, I've met some highly energetic kids that, of course, I can't really speak to that about with them, but I think just my recognition of them helps. Well, I think, I think too, um, there's that connection, you know, like when you do that, when you do tutoring and you have, and you probably bring to you kids who have some sort of similar vibration somewhere in them. And then to have that connection is something that they might not understand or be able to even, um, under like realize on a conscious level, but it's planted the seed of that for them in their life. You know, I think that that's one of the things, like, even when I used to write, my blog about those random acquaintances. It was mm-hmm. the idea that there was a seed planted one way or another that will, right. that will take root at some point. And, um, just being like, just knowing that that happened is enough. You know what I mean? Just knowing yeah. that that has happened and that it's somewhere down the line. Like even when I look in my own life and I, the things that have really blossomed, I can trace those back and go, Oh, that was that teacher or that was that person that showed up in my life for a week or that was that, um, you know, that experience that happened at that time planted the seed. And it's, it's like, uh, it's kind of fun. You know what I mean? To oh, go yeah. back and trace yeah. them back. So that's a, so ACTs, that's got to be somewhat uh, dry. So I imagine you bring a lot of magic to that kind of tutoring. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I absolutely love it. I mean, I, you know, and my friends, you know, I talk about it with them and they're like, Oh, you, you know, you're a born teacher. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I have to, I have to add one last thing before we leave. Um, when we were in Egypt, uh, you know, it was an amazing experience, but probably one of the things that was really, um, reinforcing or whatever you want to say to me was we were in the tombs, um, you know, the Pharaoh's tombs on, in the Valley of the Kings and we were walking down a hallway and there were, the corridor was just filled with hieroglyphics and I heard them singing oh. and I didn't expect it. It was again, one of those, I often find it, you know, these things happen when I don't expect them. And I said something to a couple of the people in the group, you know, that I heard them because they, people had by this time knew that I heard. And, um, after we came back out, one of the women said to me, I'm so glad you said something because I heard them when we left. And I thought, oh, oh how lovely, how lovely. Right, so, to open that door for her, right. Yeah, so it's, I mean, you know, um, just listen would be my, my thought to people. It's, you know, things show up when you least expect them and just allow yourself to be surprised and delighted. It, it really is that way. I mean, that's such a good message to end on because when you were talking about the orbs and the people who can see the orbs, mm-hmm. I had I had the experience just once where I was in my house and coming down the stairs and I saw three of them. Oh, wow. And they were like just floating through mm-hmm. my house. Mm-hmm. They were, they were bluish and translucent and they were, um, one was a little bit bigger and two, I mean, one was probably like, um, the size of a basketball 
and the other two were just slightly smaller. Mm-hmm. And um, I was I was uh, at the point enough where I didn't just go, whoa, what is that? You know, and like <laughs> I, I just stood and watched them and they just floated away. Mm-hmm. And I've never seen them again. And it, it makes me sad because I want it. I really want to see. And I, you know, I have some intuitive uh, gifts that I'm able to recognize and sort of turn on it, you know, like be part of turn on and off and, and, and sense, but there's, but that visualization, um, is something that I can't seem to have any, any control over. And I, I mean, I, I shouldn't say it that way. Cause that's really, yeah. not the, <laughs> I was right. just going to say, that's exactly what they don't do. There's right. no control over. Right. But you how know, do I, I bring them to me? How do I open well, that up again? When I teach the singing bowls to people, you know, I have people really trying to force the bowl to sing. They want it to <laughs> sing. They want it to sing. And I say to them, relax. Mm-hmm. The bowl's going to sing. It's meant to sing. It loves to sing. And now you need to believe that the bowl has a voice and it wants to sing. So all you have to do is relax. Okay. So yeah, yeah that, that will be a... <laughs> That's probably my biggest challenge right now because I'm so excited about so many things all the time and doing them and doing, doing, doing that the relaxing has been um, not what I've been doing. So maybe that's a, a, a little bit of a cosmic message to me today. Okay. So this has been absolutely delightful. And I love your stories. And I actually, I feel like there's probably a thousand more in there that we didn't even get to on the call. Um, But I want to make sure we have time to hear the bulls sing. So how about if we, uh, for everyone, for all the listeners, um, Kathleen's information will be up on the show notes. And Kathleen, you're open to people reaching out to you, right? Absolutely. Email, phone, whatever works. I mean, the website has those numbers and such. So yeah, you're free and welcome to contact me. I understand what it's like to be alone in this. I understand being in Cleveland, Ohio, trust me, I understand what it's like not to be in San Francisco or Portland or some other place where there's lots of people like you. So, um, you know, you you probably have a gift that um, really deserves to be recognized by the world. And, um, and I'd be delighted to be one of those who recognize it. I can't, and you'll have to tell me when you, when this starts happening, cause I want to hear about that too. And, um, so thank you so much for being here today. And, um, when I go out to Mount Shasta, which now is on my list because I'm heading out West, um, mm-hmm. in a little bit, um, I will share that with you too. <laughs> Wonderful. Woo-hoo. Okay. All right. So we're going to let you, I'm going to turn it over to you to sing us out. Ready? All right. Thank you.
Wasn't that a beautiful sound? In reflecting back on Kathleen's story, the thing that I keep being reminded of is to really listen to those sounds, whether they're audible sounds or just inner knowings, and following them and just seeing where they lead you. Because look at her. It's led her to places all over the world, and she's bringing something to people that I think she was really meant to do. Thanks for listening. See you next time.